Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Andy. How's it going? It's going so great. Super stoked for today's conversation, Patrick. Are you really? Why are you super stoked for today's conversation? Well, because we have just a wonderful guest joining the show today. We have, <laughs> yeah, we have, we have freaking Tim Hansen on the show. The Tim Hansen. The Very Tim Hansen. Dude, it's great to be with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> How's like it going, Tim? Bunch of old coworkers getting together. Yeah. Yeah, man. We're just hanging out. We're just chilling. Speaking of, well, old coworkers, all three of us worked at Canopy, right? Yeah. We do you remember? Do you remember hiring Andy, Tim? Do you remember yeah. that conversation we had about hiring Andy? Yeah. Why I did do. we hire Andy? Because he was awesome. Because <laughs> he was, he was. Uh, my memory was just really thoughtful. Like didn't didn't make these quick, rash, like heavy decisions. Just really like wise and soft spoken. Took, you know, took took his time and and was kind of humble and. And, but also, you know, the right type of opinionated yeah. in my mind. And, um, and that was your decision to make. And I, and I supported it. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't like a wet blanket where it was like, we could control him, but you know, but also like he had opinions, but, but also, yeah, he was pretty like, he was intelligent about it. It wasn't reactive, you know? Yeah. I remember. Yeah. And we had only so, interviewed like three people. So like. We didn't have a whole lot to compare to anyway. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> no, we we'd interviewed a bunch of people up to that point. Where are you at, Tim? Where are you at now? Because that was a canopy. That was a long time ago. But where are you at now? Yeah. Just so people know. Yeah. So I I live in Logan, Utah, um, up up north, and I work for uh, a company called Impact Suite, and um, which is owned by the Maloof companies. Uh, here in Logan, um, and I work um, mostly with our foundation, doing uh, doing designing apps for mental health and addiction recovery. And um, the most recent that we're doing right now um, is an app called Raise, which is for to navigate to help parents navigate their kids in technology and how to parent in the digital age. So I'm working on some really cool. Oh, nice. Things. I was hired about two and a half years ago as the first, you know, like the third employee, first designer, like hmm. let's 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 start <laughs> building this thing, and and then we're growing, growing nicely, and now I've got a couple designers, um, on my team, and um, so that's it's going really well, but it has it's been a few years since Canopy, so yeah, well that that sounds really cool. It sounds like there's a lot of value in those products for sure. So. I appreciate yeah. the hard work you're doing in those. <laughs> I'll have yeah. to check out that parenting one. That sounds great. Yeah, it's a little launch in a couple of weeks. Do nice. a do a soft launch and and uh, it's going to be a big deal. I think I think it's going to be a big movement and so that's been it's been it's been fun. Um, I, I kind of like the small, at least for me, this small company uh, vibe works for my personality of of kind of where like you're it. Like whatever, <laughs> whatever ends up being used, whatever the customer sees, that's it. you made it. So yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, you have a lot of impact, right? As a designer yeah. in those those impact, small... impact. Oh, Andy with the pun. Yeah, nice pun. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. That's amazing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's, the, the, it's the un the un the un uh, what a, you didn't even know you're making a dad joke, but you made a dad joke. Yes, well that done. means well I'm done. a true dad. What? <laughs> 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 uh, What's our topic, Andy? Well, let's let's jump in and find out. So, according to our uh, our topic generator, our submitted listener topics, uh, today's topic actually comes from an anonymous listener, Tim Hanson. Uh, yet again. So, Tim, you probably sent this one in, right? <laughs> uh, so, this listener writes in saying what to do when designers are only mock-up artists at work and can't do more ux work just mock-up artists so ui designers yes <clears throat> but i imagine there's not like I, there's not a ux designer you're working with you're just it <laughs> you're just essentially designing a ui and not designing really much of an experience it sounds like at least that's what i'm assuming this individual is saying like de like dealing with another person like that or that's like that's who they are. That's what they're doing. Yeah, I would assume when designers are only mock-up artists and can't do, as they say, can't do more UX work. So can't do more UX work. Yeah. I don't know, man. That one's tricky because it's such a huge part of your job. Yeah. Mock-ups is like, yeah, that's that's the solution part. That's what you come up with. Exactly. So if, if that's all you're doing that's all you're doing. I imagine it's not going to be based on any initial research. <laughs> it's basically somebody <laughs> probably coming into a room saying, we need you to do this. And they're probably like, have like, it's probably like a PM with some balsamic sketches or something like that of like, here's what we want you to do, make it look pretty and then we'll ship it. That's what it sounds like they're saying. Yeah. Have you ever been in that situation, Tim? Yeah. Uh, I, th I think so. The question, the question is kind of, uh, I, I thought of several different like avenues and and what they mean by that. Is there any supporting like sentences or that that particular person's background? Um, That's it. I, I guess the some of the thoughts that that come to me are like it feels like that person. If the person is asking it for themselves, saying, "Hey, I'm running into this problem at work where I feel like I'm just a you know just a mock up artist." To me, it feels like there's a real opportunity there for them, for that person to talk to developers on their team and to talk uh, and just make your influence, whether you ask for it or not. Like you're in charge of making that experience. If that's your job, freaking go do it. You know, mm -hmm. like don't just feel like you you have to do what they say. Like you're hired to think outside the box and uh, and test it and find out what the right you know a good way to do it is. If, the, if I'm taking the question that way, that's that's how I'd approach it. If the person feels trapped, just like push hard. And if not, get the hell out, like change change jobs. If that's If that's like the top down way that that company works, it's not yeah. the right note. Yeah, because you don't want to be stuck. I mean, if that's if that's where this person's coming out with a question, like you don't, you don't want to be stuck in a situation where you feel like you can do more, but you're not allowed to do more. But to your point, I think a lot of times designers get that in their head where it's like, they're just telling me what to do, you know? But I think <laughs> I think the, the UI UX industry is so misunderstood by other people outside of it that mm -hmm. I don't think that's actually what's happening. I think usually what's happening is they just don't know what you need as a designer. So they come mm -hmm. at you with a solution. And then it's your job, like you said, Tim, to go 
and actually do the the work and take on the initiative for yourself. Like you don't need to wait for permission to do it. Like you, you were hired to do it. So go do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I think you said a very key word, Tim, and that was influence. I think if a company is kind of treating you that way as a designer, as Patrick said, they may not know what it is you need or what it is you really can offer, like what sort of value you have. And if you don't have the influence you need as a designer, if nobody knows what sort of value you you have to bring, you have to show them that value. Just like you said, I love that. Just go and start doing it. Even if it's in like small incremental ways, like just getting feedback around the company, around like talking to engineers, um, talking to other um, stakeholders and making decisions based on those, that feedback, they're going to start to see value. They're going to start to see that you can actually um, take a problem and make a solution based on other people's feedback. And then they can maybe see, okay, well, this person might need more time to actually talk to customers and get yeah. their feedback. So let's build some more of that time into the roadmap, at, roadmap after, um, so that they can actually, you know, get the feedback that's necessary to make the right decisions. So I really love the way you're approaching that. Just, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> just do it. Yeah, it feels feels right because I th- I think we're we're at least in smaller companies, we could be surrounded by people that don't know what we, what we do. Yeah, and like they people companies will hire someone. I've been hired I think two times. Can you sprinkle some UX on it? And, <laughs> you know, and uh, this just it don't work like that. And, yeah, and, and just being open with the people around you that that. Um, that what, like what you're telling me to do is a reasonable way to go. Give me a shot. Let's go at it this way. I've been trained to do this and it tends to work better. The results are better. And it's going to incorporate probably a lot of the things that you, you know, that you suggested and let's do it. Yeah. I had a, I had a, this is funny because this just, this kind of happened this morning, but I had a designer uh, on my team this morning, bring that up. It's like, they, they were getting a little bit frustrated with just being presented with solutions. Like, the, like yeah. they're working on the design, they're working on the development team, right? With yeah. a bunch of developers. Yeah. And there was a piece of feedback that came in and then everybody just instantly went to solutions on the team. Like, well, yeah. we could do this. We could add this. We could do this. And they're kind of like, well, but it, you've already like, do we understand? Like, like the designer's question was like, nobody ever asked the question why? Like not one person asked why anybody would do this. And we just went into the solution thing. So I'm just like, she's like, I'm just sitting back going like, I'm just going to wait for them to stop doing this so that I can like interject and go, okay, well, we need to slow down and like ask why. And I think it's so hard. It's, it's really hard for a lot of people outside of the UX, what the, you know, what UX means and what it is to understand like, (laughs) no, we, we don't, we don't just like to your point, like sprinkle on UX, like, I've heard that too. Like, Hey, just add the frosting of design on top of the cake. It's like, no, we're built. We design the cake. Like we, (laughs) we need to be more involved so much earlier than, than that, you know, to like make the right decisions. Yeah. We put, we put the flour, we put two cups of flour. We make the cake. We see how it turns out. It was crap. We put one and a half cups of cake uh, of flour and then we put some sugar and it still turns out like crap. And then we we work at it again and again and again. And then at the end, you get a good cake. Yeah. yeah. But it's not the frosting, man. UX is not the frosting. Yeah. Definitely. 
so much so much of the rest of the people we work with like stakeholders and stuff i think they feel like that's our job is to just polish the turd yeah. right just to like make it taste good you know like you said just sprinkle it on there yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, like, man. i got introduced by someone on, we had a visitor to our work uh the other day and one of the one of the directors of the larger company i work for introduced me as our graphic designer um and i was like okay okay <laughs> you know, like i just didn't really know exactly what to do but i was like okay yeah get caught yeah. in that weird situation like should i be insulted or should i not be insulted like because <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just it's just the wrong name you know yeah um, and and it's not really better or worse it's just like it's not really what i do yeah yeah exactly it, it's the same situation when somebody like calls you the wrong name and you're like should i should i correct them right now like should i tell them no you don't call me andrew it's andy you, you gotta call me andy right so they don't keep calling you the wrong name forever and of course even more consequentially they don't assume you're gonna do the a different job right yeah <laughs> so um but it's even harder along those lines because you're going to be like, no, I'm actually a user experience designer. And they're like, well, what does that mean? And so you get into this whole thing of explaining, which is already way too hard to do. So that's what, what, so you just kind of let it slide, Tim. <laughs> they call you yeah. a graphic designer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> in that, in that instance, there wasn't much interest or time to, sure. to do much, but, but like within the, within the team, it's, I, Again, I, I, I think talk is cheap sometimes, you know, um, but if you can communicate just by the good work you do, yeah, you know, it, 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 it shows for itself. And this person I, I don't work with directly uh, at all, um, just knew, you know, I knew who I was. And here's Tim, he's our graphic designer for Impact Suite. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, when that happens, when you're meeting with users too, like you're meeting with customers on like a sales call and the sales rep is like, yeah, this is, this is Patrick. He's our, <laughs> he's our graphic yeah. designer. And you're yeah. like, no, dude, I'm here to ask the freaking user a bunch of questions on why, like, I'm not here to like ask them what their favorite color is. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> yeah. It's none of your business. Do you like do you like shiny things or do you like flat design? What what do you like? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but it's true. I think I think like design has a very different thought process, which we have to be like trained and we have to be this process needs to be ingrained in our in our the way we're finding problem or <laughs> finding solutions to our to the problems we're solving for. Whereas other individuals and companies like engineers, like they hear a problem and their mindset is let's fix it. And I think it's definitely on us as designers to help train uh, those around us, those we're working with to think in a different way, to kind of take the, take the moment to go, um, those are really great solutions and those are things we'll want to consider, but we might want to actually consider again, the why of this. We need to take a step back and understand it more so that we're really doing the right solution. So I think you kind of have to, you kind of have to embed that a couple of times every time you get the chance to talk as a designer, like those solutions are great, but we want to make sure we do the right solution. So you don't have to do this two or three times. Let's, let's try to do it the first time. Right. Yeah. Um, so maybe we can go talk to that customer, get some clarifying questions, talk to more customers, 
um, and get some more clarifying answers in terms of what it is they're actually trying to accomplish um, with the software. And then we can make sure that those solutions you're talking about align with what they're talking about, right? So I think I think we need to kind of take time to train um, those those solutionists, if that's a word, if on on how to actually make the come up with the right solution for them, so they're not spinning their wheels unnecessarily. Yeah. Yeah. So if this person that's that's sending in the topic too, if, if they're a designer and they are a solutionist and they don't know how to like like do the UX part. Because I think it is easy for a lot of designers to jump into solutioning because it's comfortable and it's a craft. You know, you're like, yeah, let me start moving some boxes around and, you know, whatever. It's it's just, it's easy. And I think a lot of people look at that as like, that's what you do, right? So if you're a designer and you do that, like, how do you, how do you get out of it? You know, we talked about just doing it, but like, how do you get out of it? I don't know. I think it's, a great way to get out of it is learning that it's always not the best way to do it. <laughs> uh, you, you might, I guess the best way to get out of it is failing. That's kind of the, the, the best way to really learn is to realize this solution I came up with actually isn't good. Um, my, my instinct um, was wrong. And so therefore, I maybe needed to go back and talk to some people about it to show some people this design and get feedback on it to make sure it was the right way to go. So that's one way I think you can definitely learn is if you you make the mistake and be humble a little bit. Uh, I think another way would be, I think the, the very small way that kind of that Tim started mentioning is just start showing this to other people around the company and get their feedback, hmm. right? Just try to find a really, like make a really small feedback loop and, and, or feedback system of some kind to make that better. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of tools um, at our disposal and people at our disposal. And, and just, I just, I, I, I just think, <clears throat> A lot of people that hire us and are our managers don't really know exactly what we do and they don't know how to, what to expect from us. Um, and I think sometimes it just takes the guts of doing something and asking for forgiveness rather than like keep asking the people, uh, you know, above you and by you, can I, can I, is that a good idea? Should I do that? You know, j just do it and, and, and learn don't spend like three weeks doing something you know behind the scenes and and then and then making <laughs> it perfect and then getting feedback and to get your feelings all hurt you know <laughs> like the funnest thing about figma like in my i i've loved that i've loved that at least for me and of just designing in the open you know, and, and people popping in your files and uh, <laughs> not being like, oh, no, it's not done yet. Or, yeah. You, know, <laughs> you can't you, you can't treat your work as as precious anymore, really. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing I that somebody it. could look at it at any time. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It, it is fun. I think. And and to both of you guys point, I think that's probably the easiest. Like if a designer because I've, I've worked with designers, especially the junior designers who come in and they think they, they kind of have this 
mentality of like, I'm responsible for making mock-ups, right? Um, I'm, I'm responsible for the solution. And it's like, oh, no, you're responsible for facilitate a solution. You're not responsible for the solution. But also like they, a lot of people don't know how to take that first step into like the UX world. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, I'm a designer. I know how to design. I'm really comfortable here. But like, what's the, what's the first step to take? And the first step really is, I think to Andy's point was, is like just, just stepping out and sharing it with people like both, well, to both your points. But like, how, do, how do you, if I would, if I was a designer and I was new to a company and there was lots of people at the company and I, I didn't know the customer I don't have any contact with any of the customers that I can think of. Um, like, what would you, what would, what would your advice be to that person of being like, Hey, I'm like, that person's like nervous to reach out to anyone, you know, like, who do I reach out to? You know, like, what do I do? I, I, how do I get, how do I get to somebody? Um, what would your advice to, to take that first step? Cause I think, I think a lot of people know the first step. They just don't know how to take, they just don't know how to put their, they just want to stick their foot out there and be like, okay, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of, kind of a red, like, and I, th- I think some of it could be just the, unless the, unless the company's culture is so healthy and mature in design and, and, and process, I think it's hard for someone to be hired as, at a designer in a company that doesn't have a history and, and have a, a reputation for UX uh, type things and you got to be the pioneer and yeah and just feel like you're doing the right thing and and i think that's okay yeah just be do vulnerable. just do be vulnerable it's like yeah yeah just just do it try you know what i liked i remember i remember working with you tim and and i always i always thought you couldn't reach out like i always thought like in my design career, it was like, I got to reach out to customers, you know, like I got to, how do I get to customers? How do I get to customers? That was always my mindset. And I remember working with you and like, when like you, you'd work on a design, you literally just show it to anyone. Like, and it didn't matter if they were an accounting client of ours or who it was. Um, you also knew some accounts in your personal life. So then yeah. it was, it was a little easier that way too. Cause you kind of have, you kind of have like, oh, this person is somebody that we would target or, you know, as a potential person to use our product or whatever, but also, you know, I'm comfortable with this person. And I remember that was like the first time I kind of realized like, I could just like show my wife at home or like, I could just send it to a buddy. Like, I I don't really need to like, I don't really need to go directly to a customer with this concept. I just need to bounce it off of anybody else. Right. I always thought that was cool because it was like, like, Damn, Tim's just shown it to anybody. I, why could <laughs> why shouldn't I do that? <laughs> I guess it it is interesting. I don't I don't because I don't I, I want to learn what the what the feedback is. And I think if if you give someone enough background, it's it's kind of like a validately call or something uh, where you would come you know come up with a design and just tell the person, "Okay, buy buy this and check out," and then shut up and watch them. I mean, it depends on, I, I think, if you're testing usability and discoverability and, and affordance and things like that versus if you're testing, is this the right idea, the right solution? And I think uh, Taylor Palmer gave a few years ago at the Front Conference gave up like the best, I think, 
oration of the five degrees of of uh, the five reasons of mock-ups you know all the way from sketching something to try to get is this the right idea is this the right solution you know all the way to the usability part of its high fidelity it feels completely real um, the hover states are there the uh, it's so it feels real because you're testing a different thing at that point than than uh, in the beginning phases and um uh, yeah i really liked that i don't know if you guys remember that talk but it was it was super helpful well and just understanding that those things yeah and understanding that you can test it you can test or share what you're working on at any point in time regardless of how mm-hmm. complete it is right you you talked about that earlier tim of like yeah just it doesn't like just share it with somebody just be like what do you think of this like if it's bare basic things like hey i have this idea what do you think about it um and then provide any context along the way i think is such a good opportunity for anybody who's like struggling with being like mm-hmm. what do they say mock-up artist yeah. you know yeah. just like just share the idea just be like hey does this what does he what do you think about this just get it in front of anybody for any point of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, I think it's important for young designers to, to feel that, or any designer to feel that, that the risk of asking for feedback, the risk of asking is that potential reward is so much greater than the worst thing that could happen. You know, some yeah. people just have a hard time. Oh, they're going to hate it or they're going to, they're going to be upset. And, and it just, I think that there's just such a cool thing about knowing that the risk of what the possible good things that are going to come from a situation like that are so much better than what's the worst thing that could happen. You get your feelings yeah. hurt. They tell you no. They tell you you suck. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, but seriously, like what the worst thing that could happen is probably the best thing that could happen yeah, in actuality. Is. Because if, if you just shared it with them and they're like, nah, that doesn't work at all. Like the, you know, yeah. and they shoot down your whole idea. Well, you're like, okay, well, I guess I better come up with a better idea. I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, you're getting the feedback you're seeking, right? You're, and yeah. you can ask them as a follow up, okay, what would be a better idea? <laughs> and then you get that feedback from them, and then they get to see, like, oh, they can actually incorporate my idea, and that's value, right? And I, I love that idea of just being so open, being so willing to get that feedback, and just talking to anybody about it. Uh, I, I was also wondering like, if a good next step um, from that level of feedback gathering would be to figure out who is the gatekeeper of the customers. And I think you can start by creating a relationship with that person. I guess you can start by figuring out who that person is. That's probably a really good start. Um, that might be a product manager. That might be um, somebody in sales. That might be somebody in customer success right, in your company. And you can start by creating a relationship with that person by just getting feedback from them because they're hearing from customers. They have a, a wealth of knowledge from customers and getting feedback from them would be extremely valuable. And then you could slip it in. Well, how about some customers? Would they like to see this and give us feedback as well? And then you can start creating, um, I guess, uh, generating a list of potential individuals that you can talk to that would give you the most valuable feedback, those being your customers. So I think that could potentially be like, that's you're, you're, you're at this company that maybe doesn't know or value design as much and doesn't really give you that big list of customers. That's a good way for you, I think, to 
move forward with that and start generating that sort of um, big feedback loop from those customers and generating uh, those relationships with with customers, all that sort of stuff. So I think that could potentially be a good way to initiate that sort of program as well. Mm -hmm. Good point. And, and if you're, I mean, unless you're a tiny, tiny company, like you probably have somebody that's working there for cust on customer support, right? Mm -hmm. Either a giant team of customer support reps, or maybe you got like that one person, you know, that, that, that takes all the mm -hmm. calls, but that's probably the easiest person to go to. Um, either that or a sales rep. Sales reps are a little trickier just in that it's, it's a little hard to get, it's a little harder to get their time depending on, you know, cause a lot of depending on their comp situation, their time is money. Right. And it's more valuable than, than, you know, they, they can't be spending eight hours a day talking to you. They got, they got to spend eight hours a day actually making money. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, sales reps and, and, customer support are the ones that talk to customers every day. You know, it's like, it's like that whole, <laughs> I can't remember the talk now, but it was like that, that, that guy's talk from, um, totally spacing on it, but, uh, over at intercom about how you UX designers think we know the customer when in fact we never talk to the customer, you know, like we rarely talk to the customer and, uh, we just got to reach out to the people that actually talk to the customers every day. And they know our customers better than anybody else, which is sales and support, right? Sales on the prospect side and support mm -hmm. on the returning user side. Um, so, yeah, if, I mean, if you're if you're this person and you're out there, you're like, hey, how do I, you know, for, if we're looking at this topic as how do I not be uh, just a mock-up artist um, and be told what to do? I think, I think, yeah, to Andy's point, I think that's like the first thing you do, right? Is go talk to somebody on customer support say, what do yeah. you think about this? <laughs> yeah, Have you yeah. heard of this before? Have you heard this problem? My PM gave me this problem to solve and I don't think it's real. Like, <laughs> do you think this is real? And they'd be like, nah, it's not real. Or I've never heard that. Or, or it could be like, yeah, we hear that every day, 12 times a day, you know? So. Yeah. And I think if you approach those individuals as a way to like serve them, to help them, I think that will really like make them excited to give you that feedback. So it is definitely hard to talk to sales, right? They, they're, they're busy, they're, they're selling, um, making that money. But if you approach them, like, how can I help you make your sales better? How can this experience be better at helping you make the, <laughs> that's not the right way to say <laughs> it, but you know what I mean, right? Like how, how can this experience, um, help those sales actually happen? Right. They're going to tell you, they're going to be like, Oh, all of our customers say that this is really great, but there's this one part that's lacking and this is why they're not buying with us. This is why we're losing sales. And that's very valuable feedback for you. Um, and then going to customer support, like what are the biggest issues you're hearing and how can I help you? And then they're going to be like, everyone's complaining about this horrible experience. And, you know, and I think those are really good ways to like actually approach them in like a, a service sort of way. Like how can I, as a designer, help make your life easier just like we do with customers how can i make your life easier um i think that way that's a great way potentially um to i think start those relationships and to um again have them see the value in you as a designer and gain that influence okay tim and andy the third spin on this that we could put on the on the topic <clears throat> is I'm, I'm a designer, I'm a UX designer. I work on a team of UX designers, but there's one person on the team that's just a mock-up artist 
And how do we get them to be a UX designer? Hmm. Like, how do you, I mean, assuming that, you know, let's just assume you don't have a great manager. <laughs> you can talk to. <laughs> but like, but like, how do you, how, how do you approach that? Like, how do you, how do you approach it from a coaching standpoint of like, how do I coach this person to be more of a UX designer and not just such a UI person? Yeah. I, I think some of it depends on what their job is. Um, like if, if, if someone is on, I mean, if someone, if, if their job title is the same as everyone else on their team and they're, you know, they're struggling with certain parts of, uh, of the, of a UX career. Um, I think, I guess I think that's different than if you had a UI designer on your team and that was their job and they weren't, you know, they weren't struggling with anything, with yeah. anything. but let's say, let's say they had the same job and, um, yeah, I think you know, giving <clears throat> giving two designers um, one that is really good at something on your team and maybe struggles, and put, putting them on a project together and pairing them on a on an idea or a thing together, so that the person who's struggling can actually just watch um, how this person that's good at it uh, does it, and the little the little tricks and tools because you you can sit and tell them all you want, but until they really see it someone do it that, to me that's a, that's a stronger way of of helping someone is just having them see it and actually participate with that other team member um, at the same time and um, watching that work that's one idea yeah I love that for sure especially from like the management standpoint like if I if I really want this designer to get help, let's put them with a designer that needs that help and then they can really work together and there can be a mentoring um, relationship going on there. Um, and I, I'm trying to figure out a good way because Patrick also posed this as what if you don't have a good manager that can just put people together? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the manager doesn't seeing this, they're off <laughs> doing something else. Um, if you are from the perspective um, and I'm asking this, if you're from the perspective of just like I'm a designer on the team and I realize, or at least I, I, I think that this other designer is just a mock-up artist. They're just doing solutions and running with those solutions all the way to the finish line. Um, what do I do as a designer to try to help them do better? Like, how do I approach them? I think, I think this is definitely a little bit harder to, to figure out. So what do you guys think about that? I don't know. To, to Tim's point, like, why couldn't you, <clears throat> despite having a manager set you up, you know, formally, why, why couldn't you reach out to that person and just be like, hey, you want to jump on some calls with me? I have these customer calls, you know, I'd like you to jump on the calls with me. Because hmm. um, I, I think maybe just showing them that, I, I don't know, I, I just, I suspect a lot of these people just don't know how to do it. You know, maybe they want to, maybe there's, you know, maybe they want to be better or whatever, they just don't know how to do it. And so it'd be like, hey, I'll just, I'll kind of take you under my wing a little bit and show you how to do it. I don't, I don't know if that's a bad thing. Maybe that's weird if you're, you know, it's like a junior designer, you know, coming along with, you know, hey, senior designer who doesn't know how to do the job well. I don't know how that works. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that, that dynamic would play out. But I mean, just inviting, you know, I, I don't know. I've done this in the past where it's kind of like, um, when I was a designer, it was kind of like, hey, I need your help. You know, can I, can I get your help on this where I'm coming from? I'm, I want to, I'm trying to coach, but without coming over and being like, 
hey, I want to like I I just go, hey, can I need your help on this this research? I've got like these three research calls. Can you help me put my goals together? Can you help me outline this together? Can you help me schedule calls? Can you help me jump on these calls? Like I've done that before, and that mm. seemed to work okay. Um, yeah, but it's it's difficult getting them involved in something. I don't know, like Tim brought up too, what's their role? What's, you know, what, what do they want? I think part of it may have to do with that as well. Like, what are they actually interested in? Because I think there there's designers out there that struggle with it and want to be better. And then I think there's designers out there that honestly don't want to do it. They, they don't want to be involved mm-hmm. in the UX part of it, um, which is probably fine too, depending on where you work, but it's probably a lot harder to to get somebody to coach somebody to do it when they just don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. I think that, uh, I guess if you go back to the situation where you are the manager, um, and, and, um, I would say the worst thing that you could do is not tell someone that they have a problem Mm -hmm. in in the nicest way, most, most, you know, candid way possible. And and I don't, and I don't mean that because I don't, I don't like to, tell people about their problems. That's not the right way to, to do it. But I, th- I think that I, when I was in the jewelry business for 15 years before I got into this kind of design, um, one of the most common habits was managers would go to the manager meeting once a week and spend an hour talking crap about the people on their team, about how they're not doing this well and this person's not doing that well. And guess what? The people the salespeople or the people that these managers were talking crap about never heard that they needed to make a change and never heard it. It never came to their attention that, they, <laughs> that this manager had a problem with them, had a problem with something they were doing, but they weren't doing something correctly. And I think that's just a, just the un, the unspoken concept of, of something like that is really difficult. And, um, like the, the book Radical Candor, even if you have to say it poorly, it, it may be worth saying, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how to say that in a way that's like super helpful because that's not, that's not even my personality. If, if someone needs some help uh, on a team I'm working with to, to tell them they have a problem um, and to tell them that it's not the right human way to approach that, but, the, but if that person in, in your right genuine sincere way if that person um can understand that they need to do better that you're wanting them to do better at that thing is it's important that they know that as a first step yeah well it's it's it goes back to that whole thing and i think i think you don't i think as a manager i i suffer from this a lot um which is it's one of my weak spots i think as a manager when i'm trying to work on it more is is the whole it's like it is the whole concept of like Hey, this person has like, you know, this person has like a booger on their face. And what do you, do you say something? Do you not say something? Right. And it it comes back to there's, there's, there's a motive. And I think, I think from, you know, I think from a, from a coworker standpoint, the motive is the same as the manager standpoint. You know, you've got managers out there that won't say anything if somebody has a booger on their face to make themselves look better somehow, like, they're the one that's always unkempt and not doing their job right. I'm the one that's working so hard 
you know, to make, to get them to drive. I just, they just never do it. You know, they just, they're never aware. And so like, you feel like it, that lifts you as a manager. And then there's just the, also the, I think the other motivation of like, I just don't know how to approach this person with that. You know, do you just look, do you just, do you just go, dude, you got a booger on your face. Can you wipe it off? Like feeling like you're going to embarrass them or you're going to do whatever. Mm-hmm. But the person who has the booger on their face, right. Is going to appreciate regardless um, how it's, you know, how somebody says it or how they approach. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. there are ways that you could approach that in a really horrible way. Uh, but, but yeah, the person will always benefit from that knowledge. Right. And as a manager, reason even as a coworker, I think it's important for that person to have that knowledge. What they do with it is up to them, you know, whether they wipe the booger off or whether, you know, whatever they get embarrassed or whatever that's on them. Right. But like, letting them know, you know, is, is the important thing to do. That's always something. And to your point, Tim, that's, that's a huge, huge weakness in me as far as like being a manager. I have, I have a hard time with that because you don't want to, you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or make them feel bad or, or make them feel embarrassed. But at the same time, if you don't say anything, then that person will never grow. And it's your responsibility to grow that person. And so mm-hmm. you, you have to, you have to just overcome it. And I've had people that haven't taken that kind of criticism well at all. Um, and I've had other people that, you know, have taken that criticism and maybe I've been wrong in certain situations to, you know, maybe I, maybe I was wrong or maybe it went too long, but the, the thing that you don't want, you don't want anybody ever feeling like, you know, I, I think it was Davis, our CEO, our current CEO now brought up like, you everybody knows everybody at everybody at every company there's always somebody in the company that is messing up or not doing their job correctly but nobody ever says anything to them and then they like they they like quit they get put on a pip and they leave they go to the next company and they do it at this next company right and they just keep doing it like they just nobody tells them they have a booger on their face and they just keep going from like (laughs) one restaurant to one restaurant and everybody's staring at them but nobody says anything and it's like, you don't want to be, you just don't want to be that person, right? Um, and there's some self-awareness issues there, obviously. Like, you ever look in a mirror, bro? But like... Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, like, it's a lot of these things are not as obvious as a booger on your face, right? They're yeah, they're a little bit more subtle. I don't know how to do it. So, I don't know. I, I love that you bring that up because when you're working with coworkers, it's such, it's such a... Like if you had a coworker that was just like a UI designer and never did UX, like you you want to be tactful, but at the same time you have to say something. You want to say something. You want to push them in the right direction so they're better uh, by by just allowing them to like do their job and then and then you know back channel everybody else on the team. That's not helping them at all, right? Like you know going going being like, hey, you know Jerry doesn't do his job ever, and you're like, yeah, he doesn't. He never does his job ever. Like the three of you could actually get together and help Jerry do his job better, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that would be more fruitful. <laughs> I remember when I used to manage salespeople for 15 years, when on someone's first day, I had him take that personality test, like the red, blue, white oh, yeah. uh, personality test and understand how they wanted to be talked to how they wanted to be communicated to, because some people like to be praised in public or some people, when they need to fix something, they want to have it be in private or they want to, you know, everybody needs to be communicated to or talked to differently. And um, 
but I, yeah, I think a, a, a struggling person, like if, if their manager or someone can help them understand the why behind it and not, and not think of like, okay, well, it's our goal to do three calls a week and you're not doing it. Like that's, that's one way of saying it. The other is, um, um, you're in your designs, you're, you're headed down this direction and to be a better designer and to get a better result, um, you could do this and this and this it would actually help you. The why behind it is you're going to be a better designer. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and maybe that's not the, the why, um, but, but not helping someone realize it's, we're not, it's, uh, we're not requiring this behavior because it's a requirement uh, and of just, but the why behind it is, is what the person's going to gain out of it. Yeah. It goes back to the designer mentality of like trying to figure out why. <laughs> if you can come at it, if you, if you can, you know, work with a coworker and, and illustrate why I think, you know, the designer in them is going to really appreciate that versus, Oh, that's you do. You're not doing part of the process. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. But the booger on the wall, I always tell someone when they have a, a booger, <laughs> The other the other day at work, this is crazy. This, one of this dude who's kind of high up in the company came walking out um, of the bathroom with a big piece of toilet paper mm-hmm. from his shirt all the way down to his knees back and tucked back into his pants. And I saw that and I ran across the room like fifty yards. And I'm like, bro. <laughs> Because I didn't want him to be embarrassed the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. I didn't care if that it, if that was rude of me or whatever. I just I was just thinking of him. If I had that, I would want someone to to tell me. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely the the selfless side of you, Tim, that comes out in those situations. I've been I've worked with you, I've worked with you in situations where that's happened, right? And I feel like I feel like that's just who you are. That you're just the selfless, like hey, I'm thinking that is about so true. you. And I don't care if it, <laughs> you know, I don't care if it embarrasses every, all of us. Like I'm protecting you right now. Like this is going to be bad. You're going to walk into a meeting with toilet paper hanging out, and nobody's going to say anything to you because it's a weird situation. And, yeah, no, I love that. Like that. Like we just got to be more. It's like the whole like you know who your friends are when they when they because yeah. your friends will do that stuff to you. Yeah. You know, regardless mm-hmm. of you know. <laughs> I don't know if there's like a level of friendship. There's like the, there's like really good friends that will tell you you got a booger on your face. And then there's like really, really good friends who want, who won't tell you there's a booger on your face because they want to freaking tease you about having a booger yep. on your face in a meeting for the rest of your life. Yep. Like, so there, there is a level of friendship. There's the bell curve of friendship where it's like, <laughs> you want to have friends that will tell you that there's a booger on your face. <laughs> but you will eventually get to a friendship level where they won't again, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You have to have a good ratio, I think, of friends um, in that the different bell curve there. Like some that will tell you, some maybe that won't, so you can still have some fun and you can do it to them. Yeah. Uh, so you got to surround yourself with the right people. <laughs> you have to really look at your friends, the people that are around you, and make that assessment, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> well, I hope, I hope. <laughs> I hope anonymous, uh, the anonymous topic generator person. Um, I hope we solved their problem. 
or helped out in yeah, some, ship it. some way. It's solved. It's ship it. Sh ship it. Done. It. <laughs> we never asked the why behind their question, did we? Oh, no. shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Just go get after it, man. Go get after it. Talk to some people. Share it with anybody. You'll be fine. You're good. Yeah. Done. Yeah, even even if even in the worst of situations, even if the person didn't say anything, making a damn good design is worth a lot. Mm -hmm. So even with what they're given um, as a first step to to be really good at that and to express yourself in those in those mockups that you're thinking outside the box and um, is is a first step if that's that's true yeah yeah showing that you're being thoughtful about it yep dude it's oh, nice sure. talking to you tim dude. thanks for coming on the podcast you guys are you guys are great it's good to see your faces and <laughs> we don't get to see you much anymore. we all live everywhere now yeah. all over the state of utah yeah. so it's like <laughs> i don't actually get to see people anymore yeah i'm I was only at home for COVID, I think, with work for two or three months. And so I've been back in the office every day. And I'm home today uh, for some other uh, some other things. And um, But you guys have been at home, haven't you? A lot. Yeah. For the most part, yeah, I've yeah. been at home the whole time. The whole time. Mm -hmm. But that's Andy's dream. Andy loves being yeah. at home. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Me and you, Tim, we're lot. more like we got to get out of the office every once. We got to get out of the house every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. There's some balance for sure. Yeah, yeah. Can't design it's important to me every single day. You think you're gonna <laughs> yeah. get anything valuable designed? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's it's definitely good to go in the office, you know, once in a while to to kind of escape. But it's important to me to be close to my very important stash of gummy bears, and mm -hmm. I don't want to take that to the office because I just know someone's gonna eat it. So. That's that's just the best way for me. So you do you, you do you. <laughs> yes, sir. Just don't get me on high chews, or I'll choke on. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to wind up in a situation where I'm sitting next to Tim, going, "I don't know the Heimlich maneuver. I don't know the Heimlich maneuver. How have nobody ever taught me this?" You <laughs> about saw me die. <laughs> like, me is he okay? Me. I don't know what's happening. I haven't eaten high chew since then, man. I worry. Yeah. The problem is it tastes so good. I just you, if you're, not, if you're not careful. You put more in that can go down. <laughs> That's what I do. The way you're supposed to eat them is in the name. You got to really chew those, man. You got to chew yeah. them good before you swallow them. It's in the name. <laughs> in the name. <laughs> you got to chew them. If you're going to eat high chews, though, to, to safety note with, with Tim, if you are going to eat high chews, make sure the people you're eating high chews around know the Heimlich Maneuver, just in case. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> just in case. It's a safe bet. And not be like me and freaking Sanders. And who, I don't know who else was there. We're all just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I think we're going to watch Tim die. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, here, record him. <laughs> What about Snapchat? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like trying to figure out if I should dial nine one one or not. Yeah. I'm like, man. Yeah. So pay attention to health class, everyone. Yep. 
Learn the Heimlich maneuver. You because you never know. You never know. <laughs> These are good. And that was that was before good. my time at Canopy, so I'm, I'm glad you made it through, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's good. If it's Andy good. was there, he would have Heimlicked you and saved you a lot faster. For sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> still feel bad about that, Tim. <laughs> You'd have been like dumb and dumber. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Harry, wake up! <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> okay. Well, see you guys. Good to see you guys. <laughs> Hope you do well in your work and your families and, and everything. And thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for Absolutely. coming on, man. You too, Tim. Okay. See you guys. Okay. Take it easy. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the pod. Real quick before you take off, we need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to designmuch.org slash contacts and fill out the form. If you enjoy this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t-shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it, guys. Now have a good week, design nerds.